the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 442. I'm fresh off Royal Caribbean's Brilliance of the Seas, a four-night cruise to the Western Caribbean, and I wanted to share my cruise review on this week's episode. Here we go. As I mentioned, I'm just back off of Royal Caribbean's Brilliance of the Seas. I'm actually recording this episode a mere few hours from walking off the ship. I can still smell the Windjamere food if I was still there, but uh, it was a fantastic cruise. This was a four-night cruise that I booked as a solo. I only booked this cruise about a couple weeks ago. Initially, I was booked on Brilliance of the Seas to go in January, but we ended up canceling that cruise in order to do a family ski trip. You know, priorities, change things up a little bit, but I kind of really wanted to get back on Brilliance. Before the pandemic, I really liked going on Brilliance of the Seas, uh, cruising out of Tampa, something that I have not done since the pandemic started, and there was a good rate for, you know, an ocean view cabin, kind of at the last minute, and I thought to myself, well, why not? And by why not, I really asked my wife, why can't I go? Or please, please, uh, may I go on another cruise? And uh, after some haggling and a player to be named later and cash considerations, uh, an agreement was reached, and I was able to book a four-night cruise on Royal Caribbean's Brilliance of the Seas. And this was a four-night cruise that only visited one port, which is Costa Maya, which is kind of interesting. Usually when we've done a Brilliance four-night cruise, it's almost always a uh, stop in Cozumel. So something a little bit different here. And I thought to myself it might be a good opportunity as well to kind of mix it up a little bit and do something a little bit different. We are going to Costa Maya again later this year, actually in March on our spring break cruise. But for this one, we're going to do something else. We'll talk about Costa Maya in a minute. But, you know, getting to Tampa... And, and uh, really, when we're going to talk about this episode, I should probably have said this before. I'm looking at this through this through the lens of, you know, what is it like to go on a cruise out of Tampa since the pandemic? And, of course, a Radiance-class ship, right? Talk about those kinds of things. That's kind of the angle I'm looking at because we've talked a lot about other cruises. And we're going to have some reviews coming up here of different other ships. But for, for this episode, I think we're going to be looking at, you know, taking these short four-night cruises, Radiance-class, Tampa, all things in between. So... Uh, number one, I since I booked this cruise like I think like three weeks before it sailed, uh, the check-in process had already opened up, and I the best time I could get for a check-in time was one thirty, which is like, I mean, talk about for me personally, that's late. For some people who are listening to this, they might not even think twice about it, but I was like, well, I know this is not an early time, and I watched it like a hawk. I would go into the app periodically when I was on the couch or wherever and just, you know, see if there were any earlier times because people were canceling, you know, here and there for whatever reason. Uh, but the best I could do is move to one o'clock for a check-in time. And it's just, you know, this is, I guess, a good reminder to everybody that if you have a cruise booked, you should absolutely do the online check-in as early as you can so you can get one of those early check-in times. And if you don't get a time you're looking for, it does not hurt to keep checking back periodically because uh, one thing I have learned is it is real time. A friend of mine who was on this cruise changed his check-in time to an earlier time. He managed to find one that was actually 30 minutes before mine. And when he did that, his time opened up and it was immediately available. So it's done in real time from what I can tell. So keep checking back. You never know what you might find. Since this cruise went out of Tampa, I just drove over there. Tampa's about an hour and some change away from me from where I live. So, you know, while I'm always a big proponent of, you know, getting to the cruise port a day ahead of time, I thought the risks, you know, for, for, Tampa and Port Canaveral, I just drive the same day. It just doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense financially to get a hotel. There's just the, the risks are pretty low. I could get to Tampa with plenty of time, but like eight different ways I can think of. So, you know, for me personally, 
it did not make a lot of sense to do that. Drove over there, a little bit of traffic, not too bad. You know, the nice thing, the only good thing about the one o'clock check-in time was that I was able to completely miss all of the rush hour traffic, only ran into some, you know, random traffic you might find on Interstate 4 that can occur at any time of the day. So we got to there. I did the valet parking in Tampa. I am a big, big fan of the valet parking. It's the only port that I've been to that offers this. But essentially, you drive your car up right to the terminal. You, The porters are there. You give them your luggage. And then there's a valet. And you just give them your keys. And you're on your way. If you don't do valet, there's a garage that the terminal operates across the street. And then there are some other you know, parking options as well. For me... I just find the convenience factor to be worth it to park at the valet. It's so nice. And when I got off the cruise this morning as they're recording this episode, I was able to go right to the valet desk. They brought my car right around. You know, it's little things in life. And, uh, you know, to me, it was worth the extra cost. By the way, the extra cost, from what I can tell, I believe people who parked across the street in the terminal paid 60 bucks uh, for the four-night cruise, and I paid $80 for the four-night cruise. So it was an extra, I thought it was 15 but I guess maybe now it's 20 bucks extra. Still worth it if you ask me, but you know, I'm, <laughs> I I really admit I'm a little lazy here, and I want to take advantage of it. So anyway, that worked out really well. Went right in. There was a line, depending on your check-in time. So if you're wondering, do they enforce the check-in times? Yes, they do. They do matter. So arrive at your check-in time, and you know, I did think for a hot second. I'll be, I freely admit this. In fact, I think I actually bought it, or I put it in my card and bought it. I don't, but I didn't actually get it. I thought about getting the key, and I thought about getting the key purely for the for the check-in early check-in time but then i thought better of it i said listen it, you know number one it's a we were leaving on a thursday i needed to do some work on realcoming i'm going solo i'm not going to be too wrapped up with an extra hour or so you know not on board the ship i know that's i mean yes i will be but it's like in the grand scheme of things i'll i'll deal with it so you know we did that um and I didn't get the key. I did uh, get, I, I also considered for a hot minute getting Royal Up, which is the stateroom bidding program. I had booked an Ocean View cabin and I thought to myself, well, I, I think there's a good chance I might get upgraded just without paying for it, just upgraded because I've heard a lot of folks who've been in interior rooms getting moved up. And I thought maybe there'll be a chance of that. Spoiler alert, there wasn't any. But, <laughs> but I did think about doing Royal Up. And for a minute, I thought about actually pulling the trigger on it. And the reason I did not was I forgot about something. With Royal Up, it's double occupancy for the bid. And since I'm solo, you're still paying for a second person on the bid. And so, you know, I forget what the amount was, but it was I think it was under $100 total to move up. But I thought to myself, well, two things. Number one, I don't want to pay for a Royal Up bid for somebody who's not actually here. You know, the double occupancy thing kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But more importantly, I'm by myself on a cruise. I'm not going to spend any time in the room. I'm going to be, it's a short cruise, uh, I'm going to be, you know, showering, changing, uh, and sleeping in that cabin. That's it. And truth be told, that was the case. In retrospect, I certainly would have liked to have a balcony. It would have been nice to have that. The weather was actually really comfortable out, and it would have been nice to be able to sit on my balcony. But there's so much great deck space on Brilliance of the Seas. I think that's a very much a lost benefit of a Radiance class ship is not just the pool deck, like you've got, you know, right around the pool and then the deck above the pool, right? Everyone knows that stuff. But I'm talking about the seating that extends to the back of the ship and the front of the ship. There's, for whatever reason, it just seems like there's more seating all around in different spaces, both in the sun, in the shade, quiet, not so quiet, kind of whatever you're looking for. So 
I did not find that I was really struggling with my room selection. It just would have been nicer to have a balcony, but I think it's like all things. Like valet is just nicer to have, and a balcony would be nicer to have. But, you know, I just decided, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. So, but once we got to the terminal and we did the, you know, there was a bit of a line. I thought to myself, oh boy, I should have gotten that key. But no, it, it moved pretty quickly. And I was probably by the, from when I got in line to when I actually got on the ship, it took about, I mean, 15 minutes, maybe it is so fast. I, I love the check-in times in the sense that if it allows you to really move through pre pandemic, when you would get to the cruise terminal, you know, I, I would famously talk about, Oh, I get to the cruise terminal at, you know, 10 AM and I get there, you know, the doors are still closed and we walk in and, you know, you spend a lot. It was, it was an X factor. How much time would you spend sitting in that cruise terminal waiting you do the check-in but then you'd have to wait kind of like in, in, in at the gate at the airport waiting for your boarding to begin right and you know sometimes that was 10 minutes sometimes it was half an hour other times it was even an hour or longer but with this at least i know when i get there i'm moving constantly and this again goes back to something else i always talk about which is make sure you do all the check-in processes beforehand when you're sitting at home you get the royal caribbean app out for your phone on for your cruise in your phone and do every step, upload your passport information, take a photo of yourself or the selfie, upload a photo of your vaccine card, put your credit card information, do every single thing. If you do all that, it will really expedite the entire process because the agents, the, the people in the terminal are just simply going to verify. Yep. Everything looks good here. You're good to go. There's not a, well, hang on a second. Let me retake this photo. Let me do this. That is the number one way to slow things down. Now, even if you don't do it, we're probably talking about an extra few minutes, but it really made a big difference in my opinion to keep it moving. And the Port of Tampa was super easy. I got to tell you, other than the fact the check-in times are probably the biggest difference, everything else was pretty much the same when it came to getting on board the ship and kind of doing everything else. There, were, I didn't really detect anything different uh, from that perspective. Just the, the check-in times, there's the lines outside and they have little, uh, you know, uh, cues depending on which time you happen to book. So, Walked on board Brilliance of the Seas, went, of course, straight to the Windjamere. I, I had that 1 o'clock time, and I left the house, I'm going to say about a little after 11, I think about 11.15 or so. And so I was like, well, I can wait until I get on board the ship to eat lunch. Uh, and, you know, that'll be fine. And then I about halfway through, I started thinking to myself, man, I could really go for a sandwich right now. <laughs> so when I got on the ship... I, you know, they were, the crew members were, were like, you know, please go do the mustard drill. Please go do, you know, complete the mustard drill. Right. And ordinarily I would have done, yep, I'm going to go do that right now. Just get it over with. Nope. I was starving. I was, and I was borderline hangry. So I was like, listen, for everybody's benefit, I'm going to get something to eat. So I went to the Windjamere. And then luckily a few minutes later, the rooms were ready about one thirty, And so once I was able to eat lunch, I waited like know, five minutes and then the room's ready. I was able to drop off my luggage. That's the only nice thing about coming in a little later for your cruise is that usually your the rooms are either ready or or the the wait for the rooms to be ready is very negligible. So you're not stuck with your stuff all that long. And, you know, that worked out well. Then I did the mustard drill. By the way, one thing with the mustard drill, something you can do, which is great. If you're sitting at home, you're sitting at your hotel room, the morning of your cruise before you're, you know, you got nothing to do, right? It's that morning of you're just waiting for the time to go do the mustard drill steps. You can do two of the three steps in advance. You can watch safety briefing. You can listen to the emergency drill horn. And then all you have to do is go to your muster station, 
show them your, your CPAS cards so they can scan it. And they'll be like, all right, you're here. Good. This is where you go. And that's it. I remember when I got to my mustard drill station, there was another couple that arrived and they hadn't done any of it. So they had to get, they were actually escorted in to a different area beyond where I was standing. And some, one of the other crew members had to basically do the whole mustard drill for them. And I was like, oh, you could have done this at home. You could have saved time. For this cruise, I mentioned we were in an ocean view cabin. I actually had a spacious ocean view cabin. This was room 8004. And it was, it's interesting. It's, it's all the way in the front of the ship. And when you walk down the hallway, it's on the same side as all the balcony cabins. But then the last two cabins evidently are ocean view cabins. And they have a nice, you know, large porthole. But there's a ton of space between the bed and the seating area, the couch slash the vanity. Uh, I was really surprised how much space there was. So if there's two people in this room, the spacious ocean view, I mean, you can really, uh, you got a lot of space in there. You're not cramped at all. Room was fine. I had no issues with it per se. Certainly, as we'll talk about later on, uh, on day four, some of the weather, you know, when you're all the way forward or all the way aft, the sensation of movement can be a little more pronounced, let's say. Um, but, you know, other than that, the, the room was great. I had no problems with it. And a Radiance class ship, you know, getting from one end of the ship to the other end of the ship is a mere formality. Another tip that I would give if you're staying on a Radiance class ship is the forward elevator banks certainly seem less busy than the, than the Centrum or the mid-ship elevator banks. Uh, there were many times in which I was waiting for an elevator for a while in the Centrum area in the mid midship, but the forward elevator banks just seemed to be underutilized. So it was nice. My room was on the forward end. So oftentimes I would just walk forward because the ship was pretty small to do so. And then I'd get an elevator pretty quickly, although really traversing, you know, the decks, not too bad. I actually liked my deck eight location. I was two decks away from deck six, which is where all the bars are and three decks away from the pool deck on deck 11. So it was like right equidistant from where I wanted it to be. Although to be perfectly honest, I think this is like the last room that was left. So we just pick of the draw and it happened to work out for me on this cruise. I had a drink package, which I definitely got my money's worth out of, but I did not get a dining package. I thought about getting one. I was like, no, I'm going to do the BOGO offer that we get as a diamond plus guest. When you get to diamond plus and crown and anchor society, one of the really nice benefits is you get a buy one, get one dinner or meal. Really? You can use it for any meal at a specialty restaurant on the first two nights of the cruise. So my plan was we went to Giovanni's table on day one. And I was going to do Zumi on day two. And I went to Giovanni's and with tip, it ended up costing about, I think it was right around 50 bucks, right? Between the cover charge and the, I always put extra gratuity on there. Just FYI. That's just, you know, the, the server was really good and all that. And I just kind of, you know, I wanted to reward the the crew member, you know, I know the crew had been suffering a little bit, but you know, I was like, all right, we'll do that. And then all right, next, next meal will be free you know, or included, everyone look at it with the BOGO deal. But unfortunately, Izumi, which I absolutely love, was not included with the BOGO. And I tried to kind of, I, I didn't want to say, you know, I didn't make a stink about it. I was just like, you know, well, that seems odd because the ultimate dining package works here. So if you can do the ultimate dining package, you can't do the BOGO. It seems like it's the same, <laughs> same logic in the back end, but evidently not. And, you know, the, the dining package, by the way, the ultimate dining package would have cost about, I think, a little over $100. Let's say $120 for easy math. And I already spent, you know, 50 I would have spent less, obviously, at, at Giovanni's because it would have been a lower cost. Long story short, I regretted pretty quickly not getting the dining package. Even if I had just gone to dinner, you know, two or three nights there and a lunch here or there, I would have easily broken even on it. I did like the Wind Jamera. It was great. It was open for, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner on our cruise. But... There were a couple times I was like, man, I really go for like some sushi right now. And uh, that was the thing. You might be wondering, well, Matt, why didn't you go to Chops for your BOGO deal? 
Uh, I don't eat red meat anymore. I, try, I really, really, really try not to eat red meat for, for health reasons. So the rest of the menu, when you take out the steak at a steakhouse, it, it, there are some good options in there. I've, I've had their chicken and their salmon and something else on the menu that's really good. But I just, eh, it doesn't really do it for me, right? I, I'm okay without it. You know what I mean? So that's why, if, if you're wondering. But uh, anyway, long story short, for the dining package, it's incredible how much value you get the, out of the ultimate dining package, you know, given the price and the ship and all that stuff. But that's a lesson to be learned. Somebody remind me of this next year when I go back on Brilliance to, to make sure that I, I, I take advantage of that particular piece of um, recommendation. Um, so the other than that, let's talk about, ooh, the port, of course, Costa Maya. So Costa Maya, we, every single time we've ever gone to Costa Maya, we've always gone to Maya Chan, which is a all-inclusive beach resort run by some American expats. It's like the best service I've ever had, and I love it. And we're going to that point. We're going back to Maya Chan in March. But for this cruise, I'm by myself. I mean, we have some friends with us, but I just didn't have anything planned. I didn't have anything booked. So my game plan was, well, if all else fails, we'll go to one of the local beaches in the town. Costa Maya, by the way, is a completely man-made area. It's not like a natural, like it's not a city. Like Cozumel was a city first. And then cruise ships came later. This was, Costa Maya is the middle of nowhere, quite frankly. Cruise ships decided, well, it's far enough away from Cozumel. It's another port area, close for all the ports. You know, they basically built it there. And there's a little village called, and I can't pronounce this to save my life, Mahawal, I think is how you pronounce it. It's, uh, you can Google it. Anyway, uh, there's a town there, and they have some things to do. And there's some beaches and some bars. And I was like, all right, well, I'll just go there. That'll be fine. Well, we're on board the ship, and a Royal Green Blog insider alerted me that he was on adventure of the season. He was in Costa Maya the day before us and just casually posted that he was going to this all-inclusive place in Mahawal that, you know, limited it to like 30 people. And, um, uh, you know, it, it was, it was a fixed price and it was all-inclusive and looked good. And I thought to myself, well, shoot, that's all the impetus I need. I don't know. Whatever. Well, let's go try that place out. Why not? So, uh, I went, the place is called uh, Jamie's at the Blue Reef, and uh, they have a website, and it's pretty basic. There's not even a form. You have to, all he has basically is his email address. I assume Jamie is a he, not a she. But you email Jamie and let Jamie know, hey, I want to come on this day. Is there availability? And Jamie responded pretty quickly, and we had a back and forth email. I put a deposit down via PayPal. It was uh, for a group of us, about 75 bucks for the deposit. That just, you know, confirmed our space, and we paid the remainder when we arrived. Uh, their transportation was not included, although Jamie did promise to reimburse us for part of the cost of the taxi to get there. So we got to Costa Maya, walked off the ship, went to the taxi area, hopped in a taxi. The ride to the taxi from the taxi, sorry, the ride in the taxi was like nine minutes. I'm gonna guess it was it was a pretty short ride, and we got there. The Blue Reef is a hotel, and Jamie's at the Blue Reef is basically the restaurant slash beach operation. So the hotel sits on the beach. And there's a restaurant in the front of the hotel. It's an open-air restaurant. And then they have the beach in front of them, right? And all the, there's a bunch of hotels that do this, this exact same thing. And your admission gets you access to all the food and drink and, of course, the beach itself. There's a lounge chairs they provide for you. These are padded chairs. They're not like plastic chairs. These are wooden chairs with cushions on them. There was actually a awning or a tent, whatever you want to call it, on top of us. So it provided shade. And there was a service. That was provided to us uh, that the waiters would come back and forth, you know, and and in addition to that, the hotel has a pool on its roof. It, it was it's actually a really beautiful view out there. 
It's kind of interesting. Our friend who recommended, who the person I mentioned was on Adventure of the Seas, when he went the day before, they said it wasn't available to him. It was only for hotel guests. And then when I got there, I just asked, hey, is there a pool here? And they're like, yeah, you can go up there. No problem at all. I was like, okay. So, you know, I guess the pool's included, maybe. And uh, we'd actually go up there because the beach was just beautiful. But, um, you know, uh, as advertised, it was all-inclusive. And, you know, it was not... It was great because the service was fantastic. Uh, we had uh, two different waiters who came by and, and helped us with all of our issues. It's pretty standard in any all-inclusive. They sit you down and say, hey, this is your waiter. If you got any issues, talk to this person. That way, you know, for tips, it makes more sense. And we we got there, uh, and, you know, one of the first things I always look for is how attentive is the wait staff, especially in the beginning. Because in the beginning of the day, that's when most people show up, and that's when they get busier. And that's when you can really either get great service or not so great service. You know, later on, when people start leaving, then all of a sudden they're all around you. But, you know, anyway, my point is, is that they were really good. It did help. We were the only cruise ship in port, so they were not busy. In fact, the town was not busy at all. I, I can't promise you that if you were here with, you know, three other ships, that would be exactly the same amount of service. But again, they advertise as limiting themselves to, I forget the number, I think it's 35 people there. But it's a nice little area of the beach. It's on a giant beach. But the sand was nice. There's a little uh, inlet where you can uh, swim in. So Costa Maya and Cozumel, to some extent now, is dealing with a seagrass issue where it's, it's, it's seaweed. That's what we call it. But technically, it's a seagrass or something else. And basically, it, it flows over from like Brazil, I think, and it ends up over here for whatever reason due to the ocean tides and flows and what have you. And during some times of the year, it can be like inundated with the stuff. I mean, it would, not only does it stink, it's just all over the place. It's gross, right, uh, to step on and all that. Anyway, they all along this beach, they had this fencing in the water, probably, I don't know, 100 feet out, 50 feet out, something like that. And so that way it would block a lot of the seaweed from coming across. I mean, long story short, the beach was really nice. Uh, the water was clear, good temperature, even though we were, you know, this is early February. It was comfortable to be in there. So, um, you know, it, it was certainly nice to wade in. It was very shallow water. So if you're looking for like, I'm going to go for a dive or snorkeling, not the place for that. There was nothing to see under the water and uh, not a not deep enough to go diving. But, you know, it was good to splash in or just simply, you know, wade in and kind of cool off, if you will. Uh, the drinks were great. The food was was wonderful. You know, I, I think the food is better at Maya Chan because it's a little more homemade, a little more authentic. But, you know, you have your choices of quesadillas and uh, fajitas and tacos and uh, guac and the guacamole. If that's like one of the first things I always check, what's the guacamole like? Because if it even you know even looks like it came out of a jar, that's a big red flag. But no, this was freshly made. Um, it was good. Pico de Gallo was fantastic, and the service was really good. I, I think they again maybe because they had like only a couple other people to deal with, but they really took care of us. Uh, at one point, we I, I like somebody came. It looked like it was the chef. And she came by to say hello. She started chatting with us. And she's basically, I, she's a chef, but she's also, I think, like a partner. And she works with Jamie in some sort of relationship with the, she operates like that Jamie's and then some other place. Anyway, long story short, we had a talk and we were having a good time. And she invited us afterwards to her uh, a restaurant slash bar slash pool, which is close to the cruise port. And uh, so we we're like, all right, well, it's on the way back. And evidently it is actually like right around the corner from the cruise port. So it was, it was convenient. It wasn't like we're going out of our way by any means. So we, with about an hour or so, we're like, ah, we'll go over there. So I, let me, before we get to that point, Blue Reef, uh, Jamie's Blue Reef was, was lovely. 
I think it's good for anybody who just wants to sit by the pool. They do have an a la carte option. I think the all-inclusive, again, if I was to do an all-inclusive, I'd still probably go to Maya-chan. Uh, I, I just think they have a, there's a little bit of a je ne sais quoi, a little bit of an X factor that gives them the edge in, in a lot of things. I do believe that the, the beach, and I'll have to compare this in March, but the beach was definitely better at, uh, at Jamie at Blue Reef because I, they do either a better job with filtering out the seaweed or just that particular day, the seaweed wasn't as inundated. I didn't, you know, I, can't, I didn't go to the other beaches to compare it, but it was nicer to be in there. Maya Chan does have a pool though. Uh, which is a little more convenient to get to than the hotel roof pool at Blue Reef. But anyway, uh, I w- if you're going to do it all-inclusive, I would think I'm still going to do Maya Chan, but I think this would be a great spot for a la carte because the prices are pretty competitive anyway. I didn't, you know, they, they had some menus and specials out there. So I think you'd be okay with it. It just depends on what you want to do, but I didn't have any problems with it. I think they're, <laughs> I certainly got my money's worth out of it. There's no doubt about that. Uh, so anyway, we, we get in a taxi and we go back to the cruise port and we stop at, uh, uh, the the chef's name was uh, Car- owner's name. I'm not sure what her title is. Uh, was Carla, and her place is called Katrina. C A T R I N A, and it is literally right around the corner from the cruise port. If you've been to Maya Chan before, sorry, if you've been to Costa Maya before, and you've walked out of the Costa Maya cruise port and you walk straight, there's all the taxis, right? And then there's this fake Mayan ruin on this boulevard, right? And if you take a quick left turn right there. On that corner, this is the place right there. And it's a restaurant and a bar and a pool. There's no beach, but they have a pretty large pool and a, and a little deck area and some chairs to sit in. And, you know, I don't know that I'd want to spend all day there, but it was kind of like, you know, if I if I was coming back again doing this, like, hey, I've got no plans. I just want to go hang out, have have some Mexican food, like real Mexican food and not pay through the note and not pay American prices for Mexican food. This is the place I would go. They had a great pool. Uh, it was nice. They had some... Uh, all the places actually had these like dogs that would kind of roam around. <laughs> it's kind of a, I'm not sure. I'm sure they're owned by somebody, but you know, these dogs come by and you know, you can pet them if you like to or not. They're kind of more interested in doing their own thing anyway, but it was a fun vibe, you know, and it was, a, it was nice to meet Carla and she had an interesting, you know, story with how she's working. She's quite a entrepreneur down there and you know, it was fun. It was nice to meet people. It's nice to talk. And that's part of, I think the appeal of cruising is the, you know, the undiscovered that you will just run into. And we had a really nice time. So, we had a great time in Costa Maya. Weather was great. In fact, the weather for the first three days, uh, embarkation day, our first sea day, Costa Maya, couldn't be better. Barely a uh, wave in the ocean. And then we went home. <laughs> My goodness. Now, listen, I've dealt with some some bad waves going on cruises. It's just, just you know, sometimes it happens, right? But I think this might have been some of the worst we had. I mean, as soon as we left Costa Maya... Boom! All of a sudden, the movement started, and that that night night of night three into day four was bad. And then I think it it kind of kind of stabilized a little bit. And then day four, uh, night four, the last night of the cruise, man, we were rocking. It felt like instant. There were a lot of times where it felt like you ever go on a in your car and you drive over a hill too fast and you get that roller coaster feeling. That was kind of like what it was like a couple times. It wasn't to that. Don't get me wrong. This wasn't like we were flying out of our our shoes or anything like that. But it was just that, you know, that, that little movement of your stomach. Going, like, if that makes sense. Uh, there was definitely some movement in the ocean. There was a front that was moving through. And, you know, I think the, the, they tried to do the best they could with it. And I'll be free. I freely admit I got seasick. Uh, that morning I woke up and I did not feel good uh, from seasick. It wasn't COVID. It was just I knew exactly what it was. And I tried to. 
I tried to fight it. I tried to say, no, 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 no. I'm not getting seasick this time. And I went upstairs. I went to the wind Jamer. I, I sat, you know, I had something, a little something to eat, like, you know, a piece of bread just to stabilize my stomach a little bit. Glass of water. I stared at the horizon. Yeah, that didn't work. <laughs> it was just too much. So uh, luckily, a friend had some uh, Dramamine, took that, felt great. And so the lesson here is don't, you know, don't be afraid of seasickness. Dramamine. Actually, this one was, this was non-drowsy Dramamine. I was like, oh, that's good because usually it makes you tired. But then I realized later on, it wasn't actually the active ingredient wasn't a drug. It wasn't uh, meclizine or the other one. I forget which one it is. It was just ginger. It was just like a an insane amount of ginger. That's all it was. And it worked great. So either ginger really works or I am uh, very sensitive to placebos, but <laughs> it, it worked and I felt great afterwards. So, you know, just uh, know your limits, but don't, don't feel, there's no shame in admitting you're getting seasick, but also don't fear it. That's one of the biggest things people, you know, get really, especially new cruisers get really wrapped up with. Am I going to get seasick on a cruise? You might. It's really not a big deal if you do, because it's so easy to treat. So, uh, my advice is, you know, go to Amazon or go to your local pharmacy, pick up an over-the-counter. Uh, this one I would get again. In fact, I'll probably buy it for my next cruise just to have it, you know, in case uh, would be, you know, some some anti-nausea medicine. Works great. So uh, we did that. Oh, I want to mention one more thing, which is that we cruised over the Super Bowl. First time I've ever done this before. So the last day of the cruise was Super Bowl Sunday. And, you know, this particular game, number one, I didn't, neither team was my team by any means. I don't really have a team in the NFL, but... You know, it was what it is. I just wanted to kind of experience it. And basically, Royal Caribbean set up a bunch of venues to watch the game in. The pool deck, the pub, because they have a lot of TVs down there, the Royal Theater. And there were a couple places that had, like, like the Schooner Bar has one TV. And you could watch the game there if you wanted to. Uh, they had, in the Royal Theater, they had dry snacks. So they had popcorn and chips you could eat, complimentary. In the Royal, uh, sorry, in the, in the, on the pool deck, Park Cafe offered its usual fare. In addition to other food, they had hot dogs and tacos and guac and chips and salsa and popcorn as well. So it was kind of neat. You know, uh, other ships I had from different people on board, you know, they, they have different venues, they had different setups. Ships that had like a Playmakers, they all had different setups that required you to pay to get in there. And that was because it would be inundated. It's just too popular. The sports bar is going to be popular on a on, on Super Bowl Sunday. So they had this, you know, if you wanted to go to the, if you wanted to get a table at Playmakers, you had to pay to get in there. On Brilliance, that was not the case. We don't have a true sports bar, so they didn't have to do that. We only had about 1,190 passengers on board as well. So maybe that factored into it. So you should expect if you're going on a cruise on Super Bowl Sunday, number one, depending on the ship you pick, there may or may not be a venue or two that charges you to go in there because they just don't want to have it like inundated with people, number one. Number two, there's plenty of places to watch the game. Uh, it was a little chilly out, so the pool deck was not very popular. But, you know, if, if it was a little warm out, I think a lot more people would have been out there to watch the game from there. But there's plenty of places to go. We ended up watching it mostly from the pub. Uh, but, you know, it, it's it's basically just a big party. It's kind of like, you know, if you, you're going to be, there's going to be a lot of cheering and booing and, and simultaneously at the same time and then alternating depending on who's, you know, who's scoring and who's not. And, you know, it was pretty friendly. There were no, I didn't think there were any real fights or anything like that, but you know, it was, it was a, it was a, it was a good game. Uh, you do get to watch the game and the halftime show, but not the commercials. Royal Caribbean doesn't have the rights to the commercials. So you don't get to see that. You have to wait till you get home and watch them all on YouTube, but it was fun. You know, it's uh 
If you're looking for a communal Super Bowl experience, it might be a really good option for you to do so. So overall, I had a great time on Brilliance. Uh, getting off the ship was really easy. They cleared the ship right around 7.30, and I was able to... I was in the car on my way, uh, I think by about a quarter to eight, and I made it home a little after nine o'clock. So not too bad at all. You know, Brilliance of the Seas, if you're asking, well, you know, should I go on Brilliance? Is it a good ship for that? For for me, you know, it's a classic cruise experience ship. You know, you're, you don't have the, you don't have a floor rider. You don't have a real promenade. You don't have a zip line. You don't have, you. there is a water slide, but it's for children. It's a very juvenile slide. So adults, no way you're going on that one. But you know what it doesn't have, it makes up for in charm. It makes up for in the in the size because it's easy to get around. And I think overall, it's just a fun ship to be in. I just enjoyed being outdoors, enjoying the the pool deck. It was beautiful weather on the way down. So you know, it's it's just a, it's a relaxing cruise experience. If you're looking to chill out, have a couple days of relaxation. If you're in in, in North America, of course, over in Europe, Brilliance does a lot of port intensive itineraries, which is great for a Radiance class ship because. You're not dependent on the ship providing you all the entertainment. You're doing other fun things in between. So, you know, it's good for that. And uh, I really like Brilliance. It grew on me quite a bit. I'm still a big ship guy, but I like Brilliance of the Seas because it just offers uh, a little different approach. But it, there's enough to do on there. There's specialty restaurants. It's not like there's one or two. You know, there's three specialty restaurants. There's a great bar on board in the pub. The casino was great. Um, the, the Royal Theater is pretty large. So there, I feel like you'll find something to pass your time, and it's a, it's a really fun one to do. So uh, hopefully this will help you any, or anybody who's either cruising out of Tampa or cruising on Brilliance of the Seas in the near future. All right, time to answer the listener emails. This is the part of the episode where I dive into the Royal Green blog email inbox and answer the questions you've sent me. And if you want to send me your email, you can do so by saying to matt at royalcreamblog.com, matt at royalcreamblog.com. Our first email is from Jeff from Exton, Pennsylvania. Hey, Matt, we're all looking forward to the new Icon class ship. We don't know what features the Icon class will have, but I thought it'd be a fun exercise. We found out what your ideal Icon ship would have if you could create it using your favorite features from other Royal Caribbean ships. I've broken this exercise into different categories with a number limit in each category. All right, so outside activities, only choose three, and the choices are North Star, iFly, Flowrider, Mini Golf, Navigator's Water Slides, very specific, Skypad, Ultimate Abyss, Zip Lines. All right. Navigator's Water Slides, number one. Oh, man. This is a tough one. See, this is personal preference. Like, I don't care for the Flowrider, so I'm never going to pick the Flowrider, but I would pick Navigator's Water Slides, North Star, and I'll pick Skypad. I figure over the Ultimate Abyss, we already have Water Slides, so. Indoor activities, choose two. Ice rink with shows, C-Plex, water, aqua theater. I would personally, again, pick C-Plex number one, especially if it has playmakers in it. On Odyssey, that is a game changer. And the ice rink. Again, I'm not a, the aqua theater is lovely, but I'd rather have the other two. Small activities, choose one, laser tag or escape room. I would definitely choose escape room. Uh, complimentary dining, I get to choose two. Coastal kitchen. Doghouse, El Loco Fresh, Park Cafe, Cafe 270. Park Cafe and Cafe 270 are pretty much the same thing. So I'm going to take Park Cafe 1, and I will take El Loco Fresh 2. Oh, man, there's some... I didn't, I didn't pick Coastal Kitchen. There are some people who love sweets who are yelling at their devices right now. Sorry, I just don't love Coastal Kitchen. I, I Listen, objectively speaking, Coastal Kitchen should absolutely win over these other four. But it's Matt's choices. Uh, quick-ish dining choose one 
Johnny Rockets, Fish and Chips, Portside Barbecue, Playmakers. Playmakers. Uh, especially dining, choose four. Choices are Chops, Izumi, Wonderland, Giovanni's, 150 Central Park, James Italian, Sabor, Mason Jar Hooked. I would take uh, Izumi. I would take... I haven't tried Mason Jar yet, so this is hard to do that. Uh, I do Izumi, Sabor, even though Sabor will never make it on this ship. It's a dying breed. And Giovanni's Italian Kitchen, the new one. Uh, but much respect to 150 Central Park, which I really do like. Just you know what? Forget it. I'll take 150 Central Park, Izumi, and um, uh, Giovanni's Talent Kitchen. Sorry, Sabor. I love Sabor. I love it. I love it. I love it. But I'm gonna try to be a little realistic here. For coffee, I have a choice between Cafe Latitudes or Starbucks. I take Starbucks. Uh, dessert: La Pâtisserie or Sugar Beach. La Pâtisserie every day of the day of the week. Uh, lounges. Man, you got a lot of stuff in here. Uh, I get to choose three lounges or bars. Viking Sky Lounge, Schooner Bar, Lime and Coconut, Rising Tide, Boleros, Bionic Bar, English Pub, Bamboo Room. English Pub, Bamboo Room, and Schooner Bar. And for extra credit, what feature from a ship from a different cruise line would I like to add? Magic Carpet, Eden, Roller Coaster, Go-Karts, LED Dome and the Promenade, Cirque du Soleil Show. I would definitely do... Oh, would I get one? I don't know. He didn't say which one I get to pick. I would definitely pick the LED dome in the promenade. I think that's MSC that has that. I, whoever has that, that's a really cool feature. I think that's something I would definitely steal. Um, I think Royal should steal that one, quite frankly. So that was a fun one, Jeff. Thanks for the email. That's uh, made me think there. But there are definitely some angry people at me because I didn't pick Coastal Kitchen. I guarantee you that's like the, the number one uh, thing that, that you know, going to gonna gonna trigger somebody. Next, we have an email from Scott. Uh, we have a cruise booked on Oasis of the Season in February, and my nine-year-old is fully vaccinated. There seems to be no place on the app on the website to add his vaccination card photo. For the rest of us, you can add it as part of the check-in process. I suspect this is due to children 5 to 11, vaccination not being required, but not sure. I was wondering if you know what the protocol was. Do we have to just present proof of vaccination at the cruise terminal, or did I possibly miss another area in the Royal Caribbean app? Thanks in advance. Linger longer. Scott, thanks for the email. Good to hear from you, buddy. Uh, the answer is actually since the your email that you may already know this, but... Uh, they've updated. So previously, you were right. There was no option for that because the logic in the app was, well, you can only be vaccinated if you're 12 or above. So they didn't add that feature, but they've since added back in, Scott. So you, if you don't see it, update your app. Uh, you should be able to upload your photo there. Keeping in mind, by the way, that if you don't, even if you don't have a photo of your vaccination card, whether you're an adult or a child, it does not matter. Just you need to bring your vaccination card anyway. It's like taking a selfie photo in the app. It just saves you time in the terminal. So I would definitely recommend doing it just to save you time. But don't worry too much about it if you miss out on that. Our next email is from Carlos Perez. Hi, Matt. Thanks for the wonderful podcast. I have a question about the Cocoa Beach Club over water cabanas. My family and I are selling on Oasis of the Seas in July. Unfortunately, the cabanas are sold out. Do the cabanas get canceled often? Meaning, should I keep checking back to see if they become available? We've never experienced them and have a large group that would be perfect for this. Any suggestions are appreciated. Uh, yeah, absolutely. People do cancel all the time. Uh, I don't know that it, you know, you should check periodically. Your cruise is in July. I would check back. Probably the, uh, you know, every week or two or three, but really your final payment date window is a really good time, Carlos, because then people might, you know, uncancel that. But check all the time, even in the weeks leading up to your cruise. It is amazing how many people cancel their cruise these days in the last two to three weeks before they're sailing for, you know, maybe they test positive, a family member test positive. They don't want to go anymore. Um, with Cruise of Confidence, there's a lot more cancellations at the last minute, I feel like, which is to your advantage here. So, yeah, definitely keep checking back. It, don't assume that it's uh, you know definitely not going to happen for you. And uh, yeah, oh, one other thing, Carlos, if, if let's say you, this doesn't work, you get to your cruise, 
Matt, I couldn't get anything. When you get on board the ship, go to the shore excursion desk. Ask me to put on a wait list for Cabana. You never know. You never know. Uh, next email is from Craig Rito of Charlotte, Harrisburg, North Carolina. Matt, longtime subscriber and viewer of the YouTube channel, like I am sure countless others. My family had several cruises get canceled over the past couple of years between COVID-19, Odyssey of the Seas delay, and then another Odyssey cancellation in June, July. Two questions and thoughts if you would entertain. Number one, what do you think is the likelihood that Royal Caribbean may consider updating the cruise guidance to remove the vaccine mandate time for our mid-end of June 2020 cruise on Harmony? I'd say 0%. There is no way. I mean, listen, I don't know the future more than you do, so I'm going to put that out there, Craig. I mean, I'm just putting it out there. But in my personal opinion, professional, personal whatever opinion, there is a 0% chance they're getting rid of the vaccine mandates anytime this year. I don't even think it's going to happen next year. It might be a while. So the short answer is don't. I would not even. If, if I had a cruise, or let me put it this way. If someone in your group is unvaccinated that is above the age of 12 and going on and they have a cruise book for 2022, my personal opinion, not knowing more than you do, is I think there's a 0% chance that person's going on the cruise. Number two, I have found mixed results when calling Royal Caribbean Guest Services and even Crown and Anchor Society for a family of four uh, because we're going platinum to Emerald if we can have a cruise again. We've attempted to cancel or determine flexibility since the cruise was booked and canceled and another canceled cruise FCs were issued before a vaccine requirement was announced. My recent call indicated that there's still some optimism before final payment for our Aqua Theater Suite and we should wait until March. Are we just simply wasting our time for false hopes and just demand a full refund versus another FCC? Yeah, if you're unvaccinated, Craig, and you're asking me, madam, you know, I'm unvaccinated. Is there any chance in you know where that we're going on this cruise in June because Royal Caribbean will lift the vaccine mandates? I would say you are crazy. There's no way. 100%. I would listen. I could be wrong. And again, I'm just putting this out there to everybody. I don't know more than anybody. I'm not a public health expert. I don't work for Royal Caribbean. But I wholeheartedly believe there is a 0.0000000% chance that vaccine requirements will be lifted, as in anybody can go on a cruise, whether they're vaccinated or not, uh, by the summer. I I, I just don't see it. I, I just don't think that given everything we just went through in December and January with the Omicron variant and how the media was absolutely fixated on every single case on a cruise ship, I just don't think there's an appetite right now for anything but over, overly stringent protocols on cruise ships. But again, have I been wrong? I'm not a very good predictor of the future, Craig, but if it were my family, if it was my friend and we were having this conversation and I consider you my friend, Craig, I would, I would just simply say, I, I think there's just 0% chance that you're going to be going on. I mean, there's, only, there's no harm in hanging on to it. I mean, wait until final payment date, you know? go from there but i i just boy do i not see that happening i mean there's some things where i feel like a little wishy-washy like well this is not one of those situations but yeah i just gotta be real with you craig that's that's my honest take on it and i will again once and once more for like the eighth time in this one episode and this question say i could be wrong next is an email from emily good morning matt love your blogs and podcasts really getting excited for our first roller coping cruise on oasis in august i've been checking the prices for our cruise and have phoned and adjusted the through the best price guarantee policy which has been great i saved over 400 pounds so far however throughout the different sales that i've adjusted over i've also lost onboard credit that makes sense great that i've saved more money than the onboard credit was worth so i'm happier with the savings my question is if i had booked an excursion or drinks package with my onboard credit which was like which i was close to doing would this package be canceled if I repriced again, or should I have spent it while I had the chance? 
Um, that's a good question. And Emily, thank you for the email. So basically, Emily's saying, you know, she booked the cruise. She got $100 onboard credit, booked the drink package with that onboard credit. Repriced the cruise. Now the $100 onboard credit is gone. What happens to that? I don't know exactly, to be perfectly honest with you, what the scenario is. They know where you live. <laughs> they have your credit card information. I... I don't. I, I would hope they wouldn't cancel it because that would obviously need, then the price gets reset, right? I'm not a hundred percent sure what happens there. If anyone in our listeners know, uh, you know, have exact scenario where you booked a cruise, use onboard credit, reprice the cruise, not cancel, but reprice the cruise, and lost the onboard credit because it was a better deal on the cruise fare, what happened to your purchase? I'm, I'm curious how that worked out, but I don't know the answer to that one. It's a excellent question. And our last email today is coming to us from uh, David. Matt, first and foremost, thanks for everything you do in providing valuable information on Royal Caribbean Cruising. I've learned so much watching, listening, reading, and feel prepared for our first Royal Caribbean Cruise this March on Oasis with Brings and Bad Questions. I've cruised before on both Carnival and Disney, not having checked in online before. What will I need on hand for a successful check-in? You're going to need uh, three or four things. You're going to need your passport. Uh, if you don't have a passport... If you're using your birth certificate, it's gonna you're gonna have to do more work in the terminal, but regardless, your passport, you're gonna need your CDC vaccination card, so you take a photo of that. You're gonna need yourself, you're gonna need all the people in your party to take a photo, a selfie. So make sure they're available. You can go back and do this later on. And you're gonna need a credit card so that we can put the credit card on file. If you do all those things, you will have green check marks uh, next to everything, except for the vaccine card. That, that takes a couple days to, uh, to validate, but that's a mere formality, David. But I use that's basically what you need there. Um, I would definitely recommend you know getting that check-in time as early as you can. Do it via, by the way, number one, do the check-in via the Royal Caribbean app. You can do it on the website, but it's faster and easier on the app, especially for the passports. You can actually just scan the passport. You just take your the it opens up the camera. You photograph the you don't even photograph. You just like cover over the front page of your of your passport book, and it captures all information. There's really nice. Um, but yeah, that's what I would definitely do. And make sure you do for everybody in your party. So thank you, David, for the email. Thank you to everybody for checking out the Royal Caribbean Blog podcast. If you want to send me your emails, you can always send them to Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt, and we'll talk again real soon.